<clears throat> hey, if this is your first time here tonight, man, I'm glad you're here. My name is Brian Preston. Uh, I'm the middle school pastor, so normally I'm uh, ha- having a great time with our middle school students, but uh, Derek is on, uh, out this week. He's at a conference and semi vacation as well, so uh, just pray for him. Make sure he's uh, getting relaxed and uh, getting rejuvenated a little bit, but uh, man, I'm glad to be here tonight. We've been walking through a series with our middle school students called Leave a Mark, and I really debated on if this is what I wanted to do this week uh, with you guys or not. And really, God's kind of changed my heart and turned my heart in the last couple of days uh, to a certain passage. And so I decided to abandon that and go to uh, 1 Timothy 4. So if you have your Bible tonight, open up to 1 Timothy 4. Um, and here's the deal. I, don't, I, don't, I know that you guys don't normally hear from me, so here's what I want you to do. If you have a, if you have a phone or anything, like just stick it underneath your chair. Uh, if you need it for a Bible, we have words up on the screen. Don't worry about that. I want you to do me a favor tonight. I want you to zone in, okay? We need to talk about zoning out. I want you to zone in. I want you to really take tonight as a, as, a, as a time where you get a chance to zone in and hear what God has to say because I'm telling you, God has laid this word on my heart, and I really feel like you're going to connect with it tonight because if you don't, I really have to debate whether you're you know, really fully alive, <laughs> So tonight, I want you to engage with me because there's really, really a cool thing that God wants you to share, uh, share with you tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about why the gospel matters. Uh, if you've heard the word gospel, it, it, it's a fancy word for means good news. We, uh, we actually judge time. I don't know if you know this or not. We actually judge time so the world acknowledges Christ lived uh, because we judge time by him. Uh, today is currently 2013, Ado Domini, uh, after Christ's birth. And so even the world acknowledges that Christ existed, right? And so when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about the good news of Jesus. Jesus was this God, God in flesh, came down to earth to die on a cross. You guys may have heard this story before, but I'm telling you, tonight I want to explain to you why the gospel matters, the story of Jesus, but also why the Bible matters, okay? That thing that you may hold in your hand from time to time. Yeah, I want to talk to you about why that matters. I want to talk to you about why the gospel matters, and I want to talk to you why the Christian life matters, okay? I showed you that video clip because there's uh, some things that really tie into where we're going tonight. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie or not. It's a really cool movie, uh, and check it out, uh, called Coach Carter. Uh, there's a guy, Coach Carter, comes to, to the school, and it's really a, kind of a uh, down neighborhood in, in California, and um, these guys, these ball players on this team uh, don't necessarily live in the best of circumstances, but they, they've made the best of where they're at. But um, it's really a story of triumph from these guys that really didn't think that they were able to accomplish much of all, end up accomplishing a great deal. But in the beginning, you have a story of a guy named Cruz, uh, last name Cruz, who is, comes on the scene. And he doesn't necessarily agree with all of Coach Carter and what he has to say and what he's doing. Uh, and so he decides for himself that he's going to go against that and rebels against that and, and ends up departing and leaving the team. So after a season uh, of basically being away and the, the season begins and these ball players are our, our, our basketball guys are doing what they do, and uh, Coach Carter's starting to grain in them uh, kind of some, like, really cool things, uh, teaching them about life and manhood, not just basketball. And they really start uh, to really act different, and their attitude changes, and there's a lot of really cool stuff involved. So this guy, Cruz, is watching from a distance, and he's seeing these guys and the way they're now acting, the way they're now talking, and he starts to become intrigued. And as the plot thickens, and the story goes, he becomes more intrigued, and he wants back on the team. And so Coach Carter doesn't make it easy for him. He really made it impossible for him 
because he you know, knew the kind of character that Cruz was. But Cruz didn't want to give up. And he decides that he's going to spend all week trying to achieve this crazy goal, uh, working at suicides and push-ups and doing all these different things. Uh, and it comes down, as you saw, uh, he didn't quite make the cut. But these guys on the team decide to join in, pick him up, uh, carry his burden for him, right? And so you have a story of a guy who departs and leaves his team but ends up seeing the, the guys and how they act now, their attitudes change, and ends up coming back and, and, and trying to become back a part of the team and, and does. And the reason I showed you that tonight is because we're going directly into where we're at, 1 Timothy 4. I want you to look at 1 Timothy 4. There's some bookend verses in this chapter. I'm going to look at this chapter. It's a short chapter, so don't get scared. Uh, but we're looking at 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1 uh, is the first bookend. Bookends are those things on, on the outside of books on a shelf to keep them together. So the first bookend, look at verse 1, says, Now the Spirit expressingly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. He's telling us that some are going to depart from the faith. Well, i got news for you. Statistically speaking, some of you in this room might be a part of that. And I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to intimidate. But the reality is that some of you guys are going to depart from the faith. And in my mind and what I believe, I believe that means that you really didn't ever really know him. You really never ever had that heart change because I don't believe you can lose your salvation by any means. But he's telling you, the scripture says that some are going to depart from the faith. It says, expressly says in later times, some will depart from the faith. That word some incurs and tells us that, that they're still there, okay? But they may not be after a while. That's where we're at. And Paul is talking to Timothy here. Timothy is a, a disciple of his. Uh, Paul has been mentoring him, pouring into him. And so this letter is another way for Paul to communicate with Timothy and share with him and challenge him. So Paul's writing to Timothy. He says some will depart, that they're there, but they may not be for much longer, okay? Stay with me. Verse 16 Look all the way down to verse 16. Look at the other bookend. It's kind of that, that, that picture of seeing the end result of the story, and then we're going to build up to it. So look at 16. It says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Not only will you, by what you do, what you say, and, and the, the, what you're learning, what you're growing in, what you're teaching, not only will your life be transformed, but the people that are watching you act, watching you talk, will be transformed as well. That's a really cool picture, man. We're going to come back to that. But I want you to think about that before we get into it. How incredible would that be? And how joyful it would be in your heart that God could literally use you to transform somebody's life for Christ. Think about that. We're going to come back to it. Think about that. How incredible would that be? Look in verse 2. Go back to verse 2. It says, some will depart, and it goes on from there, and he says, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, excuse me, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Some will depart from the faith. And I want you to think about tonight that maybe somebody in this room, maybe you, 
don't really have that right relationship with Christ, maybe you never did. Maybe you've just been pretending, okay? And that's a hard thing to swallow, but maybe you're just pretending. And, and Scripture tells us that it may be somebody that holds a notebook and takes notes. It may be somebody that sings in the choir on Sundays, or it may be somebody, God forbid, that steps up and helps lead others in leadership roles. Maybe you help lead middle school students or whatever the case is, that those people might even depart from Christ. Think about it. That God would, could take you and use you for all those things that are good, but yet some will still depart. It's really hard to believe that those people exist, but the reality is this world tells us that we're wicked, simple people. I mean, wicked, simple stuff are happening all the time around us, right? We see it every day. And the reality is our own hearts are wicked and sinful, and, and that's where we're at. But hopefully, by the power of Christ, that you've come to know him, and you may not be one of those people. Check this out in verse, verse 6. Verse 6, it says, If you put these things before brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Doctrine's a big word that just means teaching. Of the good teaching that you have followed. Okay, Timothy, Timothy is like, like he's, he's, he's living and he's preaching this word, right? And Ch Paul is challenging Timothy here, and he says, Timothy is to live and preach in such a way that people would, might actually come to faith in Christ. And here's the reality, is that your life, you're preaching something. You may not be up here on a stage Wednesday night talking to a bunch of students, but you, by the way you act, by the way you talk, the things that you do, you're literally preaching a message. Are you with me? You're literally preaching a message of something. And so God is, is challenging through, through, through Paul to challenge Timothy to say, you're to live and preach in a way that others may actually come to know Christ. How rewarding would that be? You and I are called to this. Look at verse, look at verse 6 as he says. It says, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and have good teaching that you have followed. Listen, the gospel matters, okay? That's where we're at tonight. I want to tell you how, why the gospel matters, and the gospel matters, and the Bible matters for these reasons, okay? That you are to see God rightly. The way that we live our Christian life, okay, we are to see God rightly. And sometimes that gets distorted. We don't always see God in the right ways. But God, is, through Paul, is challenging Timothy. He's saying that we are to see God rightly. Getting the gospel right actually matters, Okay, because there's all kinds of false teachings in the world, right? We know that, you know, all kinds of crazy things are being taught, and, and the verses actually say that here in a little bit, that silly myths and things are going about, and we're not to actually participate, but to say that we're to, to value in the importance of getting the gospel right. So what does that mean? Not only is the gospel important, but the Bible and the doctrines that flow from it are equally important. This thing right here that a lot of you are holding right now, the thing that you may leave on your nightstand or something throughout the week, whatever, like this is the thing that we're to get to, to see God rightly through. Okay? Check this out. There's a, uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, I was a, uh, when I first graduated high school, I actually went to Cleveland State for a year um, from Udawal, and so it was just up the road. And, um, I knew that I'd, that's not necessarily where I wanted to be because I, at that point in my life, I already knew that I felt called to vocational ministry, which meant that I just knew that I was going to be working in a local church someday. Um, and so I was ready to go to Louisville, Kentucky to, to, to study, uh, study the Bible and train for ministry and didn't really want to be here. And uh, God, God, God worked through my heart and my life in that. 
but in that season of my life, I was, I was, I was kind of bitter. And so I, it was an odd way to be bitter, but I kind of took it out on God in a way that was actually good. Uh, I would take my Bible um, to Cleveland State every day, and I'd go to classes, and I would open it up. I would sit in the first row on the table, and I would open up my Bible, and I'd just open the Psalms, and I'd start underlining and highlighting stuff. And through my bitterness, God actually helped me grow and taught me some stuff. But it was funny because I, I, I was, it was like almost in spite of, of God, like, you know, not, you know, in that season of my life, not letting me already go to Louisville and train that I was like trying, you know, to be better at God and prove myself or something. But anyways, there was this guy that would always come to class. He, you know, the guy, he comes in, he was just eyeballing me weird every day. Like, like what's this dude doing? Like, what's he got that Bible out for? You know, just kind of always every day he would come in and look at me like that. And then... One day comes in, and he's like, hey, Bible guy, what are you doing? Why, what, why do you always have that with you? And so through that, God, God kind of provoked me because I was kind of like angry that he was like calling me Bible guy, you know. Um, but through that, I thought a lot about that. Like how, how incredible would that be for us to all be known as Bible men and Bible women? Because this is essentially the thing that we live our Christian, entire Christian life by. You realize that? And how important is it that this word of God that we have in flesh right here that we can use and, and grow in and, and view God rightly in? I'll tell you what I mean. Here's an example. We're to, we're to view God rightly, and, and it's, to, it's to stir up within, in us an affection for him. I come home every day. I come home every day. And my wife is usually already home. And so she'll be sitting on the couch or laying down on the couch, and I'll come in, and, uh, you know, we usually come in, and I'll talk about our days and stuff like that, but I'll come in, and I'll, I'll like, either curl up next to her, or I'll, or I'll put my knees down in front of the couch, and I'll just sit there and say, I love you, I missed you today. Um, you're the most beautiful, blonde-haired woman, blue-eyed woman in the world. I love you. Now, that would be really sweet, right? I mean, a lot of you guys are, oh, that's so sweet. And that would be really sweet, except for my wife's not blonde-haired and She's not blue eyed. So if I were to say those things, it might, you know, stir up some different affections, uh, some, some angry affections, right? And so, but here's the point. When I view my wife rightly, when I view her for the beautiful brown haired, brown eyed girl that she is, it stirs up into the affections for my wife. In the same way, if we view God rightly through, through the lens of Scripture, when we view God rightly, it stirs up within us affections for God. You get that? And so when we, when we view God rightly, it's to be viewed through the lens of Scripture, to, to be viewed through the lens of what the, what the Word of God, His Word to us, actually says. It's crazy to think about, but that's truth, man. Look in verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. That's what I was talking about, false teaching. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Avoid silly myths, false teachings, and set yourself to godliness. It's hard for us. I mean, like you look at like physical body training, like that's good. Like those are good things to work out and exercise and all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, but he's saying that if we're to train ourselves for godliness, it's to use in every way. And that's what he's saying. Through the Bible, the, the fact that the Bible matters and that the gospel matters, it'll help us tr train ourselves for godliness. It'll help us to benefit us in every way as we walk in this Christian life. Look at verse 11. Command and teach these things. I think a lot of times within our lives, and, and I'm included in your generation, by the way. I'm not that much older. Um, and so our generation is kind of told as this younger generation that uh, we're to have this kind of youthful arrogance, right? And a lot of times it's displayed in sports or kind of competitive natures where uh, we, you know, we want to go get it or we want to win. And so uh, we, we display this youthful arrogance. And so God is kind of saying, like, like we're to, to not just be like this youthful arrogance about us, but to have arrogance in Christ, Okay, does that make sense? In other words, don't be, like, don't lack courage. He's saying command and teach godly things. Don't lack courage for, for the things that God has called you to go and teach and share with other people. Are you with me? Don't lack courage in what God can do through your life. Check out verse 12. Paul's telling Timothy that the gospel, that the message of Jesus will always be primary, and it may not always get a right response from people. Okay, don't be discouraged, okay? Part of lacking, lacking courage is that we're discouraged when we tell people about Christ, and they don't necessarily respond in kind, and that's okay. There's some that may not ever come to know Christ, and that's a scary thought, but don't be discouraged that we're to persist, as 16 says us, that we're to persist in that. Look at verse, look at verse 12. It says, let no one despise you for your youth. Here's your key verse. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in faith, in love, and in purity. People follow your lead. I don't know if you knew this or not, but people follow your lead. And a lot of you guys have noticed by watching you and by watching the way people are when they're around you. A lot of them, they, and they follow your lead. They look at your life, they look at you, and they see the way you act, and they follow suit. And God is commanded of you, and he's, he's telling you that you're to set an example for those. That this is why the Christian life matters, okay? That you're to set an example for those people in, in, in life, in faith, in love, in impurity, in conduct, in speech, all these things. You're to be an example of Christ, to show Christ. And I'm going to tell you what I mean here in just a second. Look at verse 13. Until I come... Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Listen, we're to be faithful to the Scriptures. And check this out. We're to be faithful to the Scriptures so that the Scriptures will lovingly pressure people to godliness. Think about that. I love that statement. I don't think there's a cooler statement here tonight. That we are to be so faithful to the Scriptures and so faithful and tuned to God's Word that He would actually use that to help pressure people to godliness in a lovingly way, that he would help that our faithful, use our faithfulness to lovingly pressure people to the gospel. That's a cool thought. Check out verse 14. In other words, it's not just reading your Bible, but it's knowing what you believe and how to defend your faith, okay? And I'm sure that you guys have already encountered people around you that, you know, maybe they claim to be Muslim, maybe they claim to be agnostic or um, atheist or whatever the case is. A lot of them don't even know what they believe, so they just say something. 
but you're to know what you believe and by God's word understand what God tells you of your faith so that you can then give a defense to what scripture says and give a defense to why the gospel matters and why the Bible matters. Check out verse 14. It says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of elders lay their hands on you. God has a calling for each one of you. You know that? God has a calling for each one of you. And it may not be full-time vocational ministry. It may not mean that you're going to be a pastor one day. You're going to be a missionary one day. But it may mean that no matter what he's calling you to do, that he's going to use you in a mighty powerful way. I think about David Hicks. You guys know David Hicks. He preaches up here from time to time. I think about him. He's a lawyer. He, he's, he's involved in a world that's full of lies and manipulation and deception, right? But yet lovingly displays Christ in his workplace and what he's called to do. And that's just one example, man. We have tons of leaders and people that are living their lives faithfully to what God has called them to do. And guess what? That means you too. No matter what you're called to do, where you're called to go, whether you're a teacher one day, maybe you're an accountant, maybe you're a businessman of some kind, it doesn't matter. God's calling you to the same thing, and that's to lovingly display Christ in everything that you do. No matter what, where you go, what you say, what you do, it's to lovingly display Christ in everything. That God is calling you to do that. Check out verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that you may see, so that all may see your progress. I want to tell you something that, that may kind of scare you, I don't know, but I, I use this word uh, very, very sensitively. But here's the reality. If you're not growing in your faith, your faith's going to retard. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stump. You're going to be ineffective, unuseful. And God is calling you to be actively growing in your faith all the time. So that means being invested in his word, being invested in the gospel and, and, and what the Bible says for your life. You should know the, better, the Bible better than you know um, anything in your life. And that's hard for some of us because like, we, we, we make statements like, well, we're, not just, we're really not good readers, and so we don't really want to do that. But yet we know, you know every player on Tennessee's football team and their stats and all that kind of stuff. We're to know our, our Bible better than our football team. And God's calling you to live a life to understand that the gospel matters, that the Bible matters. This thing right here, it matters. Matters. Check out verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will both save yourself and your hearers. And this is it right here tonight. This is what I hope overjoys you where you're sitting right now. Your life, what you say, what you do, how you act, what you display, it matters. And here's why. There may be somebody around you, maybe in your network of friends, maybe in the locker next to yours, or maybe on your sports team with you, whatever the case is. But there may be somebody in your life that may never set foot inside of a church. Maybe they have one time, but 
majority of that is to say that maybe they will never set foot inside of a church. And here's the reality. You may be the only Jesus that they ever get to see. Think about it. You may be the only Jesus that that person ever sees. So that's why it's important. What you say, how you act, everything about your life, it should breathe Christ in such a way that somebody that doesn't know him may actually come to changing, transforming life in Christ. Could you imagine? Imagine that, if you will, that you live your life in such a way that someone who doesn't know Christ, that's never set foot inside of a church, may actually see your life and think, wow, that's Jesus. And they may come to know Christ by what, the way you live your life. Think about it, man. If that doesn't overjoy you, that doesn't like stir the affections for God inside your life, you may be dead. I'm serious. It should stir such an affection for you in your life that you would, could actually imagine that someone might literally come to Christ and their life be transformed because of the way that you've lived your life. And you may live 70, 80 years on this earth, and if it's just one that sees your life and comes to saving knowledge in Christ, it's worth it. It's worth it. How amazing would it be? And I'm telling you, even if just one of you does it, it'll spread. And imagine if all of you did it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You would turn your schools upside down. I'm telling you, that's why the gospel matters. That's why the Bible matters. Because of the change that it takes place in your own life and what you put on display, it'll change someone else's life. How incredible would it be? We've soft-sold the gospel too short most of our life. And we do so in a way that we don't want to lose our friends and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But here's the reality. And friends that you're friends with now, you're probably not going to be friends with them in college. And your friends that you may be with in college, you may not be friends with them after that. Life takes you different directions, and that's okay. But I'm telling you, it's worth it now to show Christ where you are so that somebody may come to know Jesus and see him for the first time ever. How amazing would it be? Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, that you allow us that opportunity to see your word and to see it live and to see it active and to see it moving and to see it share with us tonight how amazing it would be that if we lived our lives as an example for you, that people might actually see Jesus through us. God, we pray. Pray for that tonight. God, if we, if we don't know you, if we've never come to that relationship with you, if we've just been pretending, we've been sitting in the chair, but we're not really actively pursuing you, if we've never experienced a transforming life change in our lives, God, may it start tonight. May we nail it down. God, may they not leave this room without talking to myself or another leader and understanding the truth of what the gospel is and what Jesus has done and how they can be used. 
And God, for the rest of us, God, we need to repent. God, we need to repent of the way that we live our lives numb to the gospel most of the time. God, may you transform our life and really give us encouragement and give us and fill us with joy that we could live our lives in such a way that people would actually, could actually be transformed and come to saving knowledge of Jesus. God, we pray that you would do that in our lives starting now. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.